Welcome back to episode 107 of the Blockrunner podcast. Here is where we discuss the latest developments in cryptocurrency while we make this new technology relatable to you. You can watch this podcast on our YouTube channel to follow along with our discussion. As always, I'm your host, William, talking with your co-host, Man, and today we bring you a very special guest. Scott Gray, head of development from Dev Protocol, joins us to discuss tokenizing open source software. Here are some of the topics we discussed today. First up, we can get an inside look at the economics supporting the entire development community. Next, learn how to generate dev and support your favorite projects. Then Scott discusses how anonymous development is the future. And finally, find out of the potential airdrop. All right, let's listen in. All right, today we got you a very special guest, Scott Gray, head of business development of Dev Protocol. Appreciate you joining us, Scott. Thank you for having me. So, yeah, man, like we had to find you because I don't know, we were, we're like hardcore into the crypto space, like everybody, right? Yeah. And we're doing this new thing where we're like, it's an everyday challenge where, we, you know, we're just every day we're covering something new. So, of course, we've been stumbling across a whole slew of projects. And as soon as we found out about Dev, I mean, a little background about us. We're, we're developers ourselves. We have we're building a decentralized application within Decentraland. So we kind of know like intuitively like a lot of the problems when it comes to developing in this space. And then as soon as we stumbled upon dev, it just adds on to like, I don't know, like our current beliefs of how things are supposed to work. You yeah, know what I mean? Absolutely. Like missing components to the whole decentralized ecosystem. So we had to like get a hold of you or somebody in this in this team and like see if we could learn more about, you know, whether or not our, our intuition is correct. So if you could like just just open up like kind of explain the background of what Dev Protocol is and like how you got involved with it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, the core team is from Tokyo, Japan. Uh, so the project was started in 2018, but it was actually I would say a decade long project. So our founder Mayumi, um, she was in marketing in Japan, and she was helping uh, creators, specifically artisans helping uh, working on restoration in um, ancient temples in Japan. And what she noticed is that these artisans basically spend their whole lives practicing the skill set and um, restoring, you know, uh, Japanese culture from centuries ago. Mm -hmm. And Japan makes a lot of money on tourism for, for these temples. And the artisans that, you know, deliver 99% of the value here are capturing maybe less than 1% of the value that the tourism uh, gets. So she kind of explored for a few years how to make that more sustainable and how to capture more value for those creators. And she met the CTO who was in blockchain at the time. And um, he just came, they meshed their ideas together and they basically said, you know, open source developers have the same issues and they're just as much artists as the artisans, you know, preserving these Japanese temples. Uh, so let's focus on open source on GitHub and NPMJS and all the other platforms. Uh, so that's how Dev Protocol came to be. And, and over the last year, we made the stake social or DAP. Um, and this is where creators can tokenize their GitHub projects in a few minutes um, and where patrons can stake their dev and make a return for both themselves and for uh, the OSS project. Hmm. So one of the one of the questions that we had was the so tokenization on GitHub is it natively supported or is it some some like a, a plugin that you guys use in order to to actually have some feedback from GitHub and then bring that feedback to the developer and see 
you know, how many stakers are getting or how, how does, <clears throat> how does the interface on GitHub change with dev protocol? Um, it doesn't change at all. It's not a native integration. Okay. So we actually built our own Oracle. It's called chaos. And what that does is it allows us to um, confirm the ownership of the user trying to tokenize a project. Um, so what happens is essentially you send us an application, we approve it because we want to make sure that it's a legitimate OSS project okay. with an open source license. And then once we approve it, we send you a link to tokenize your project. So that's the first step. So you um, submit a name for your project, the token name, and then uh, we mint 10 million tokens. And then once that's done, you actually need to authenticate your ownership of that token. So we ask you to sum, uh, submit your personal access token uh, so that only the admin of the GitHub project can do this. Uh, and then once you submit your personal access token, our KS Oracle actually confidentially authenticates that personal access token. Okay. And once that's confirmed on the Ethereum blockchain, then um, you're good to go on our network. Interesting. Um, so you mentioned, um, oh, we noticed that one of the things that that you guys accomplished was a, a grant through Microsoft. And it just so happens that Microsoft owns GitHub. Is there plans for any native integration onto GitHub? Yeah, definitely. So we're part of Microsoft for Startups Japan, mm -hmm. and they've been helping us, of course, with um, credits, but also with networking and with communications okay. um, and marketing. So we have spoken to GitHub before. Um, Currently, they don't do much support and partnerships with uh, startups, but we're hoping with um, the upcoming releases that we have over the next year that we'll be able to capture um, their attention and definitely their interest and we can explore more native integrations. Oh, nice. Okay. That, that'll be huge just because I think the, the general developer uh, that uses GitHub is not necessarily into cryptocurrency. Yeah, and mm -hmm. that, that's an interesting thing point to bring across like whenever your, the founders were conceptualizing dev was it really because the idea is to tokenize all of open source development not all of that is is like in the crypto space right there's a lot of that happening in like traditional tech True. right like you know yeah so, so it's not so much like uh <coughs> i don't know like kind of like where, where does the philosophy align with like the developers with your project as far as like is dev gearing towards like solving a lot of the like the allocation of responsibility for development in like a decentralized ecosystem is that what we're trying to tackle here with the dev protocol or is it more just so or more like funding introducing like yeah solving the dilemma of like how to make, make bring in more sustainability for development across all ecosystems not necessarily just decentralized you know what i mean yeah definitely so um right now we support both web 2 and web 3 open okay. source projects um, so we don't discriminate there. Yeah. Uh, we think that there's a future for both of them, of course. And we think that, you know, providing sustainability for both Web 2 and Web 3 are definitely important. Um, and we kind of see Dev Protocol as essentially like a giant incubator, right? So you create your creator token. Okay. And the reason for this creator token is so that the inflationary funding from yield farming goes to the holders of the creator token. So for example, if you created your own OSS project on Dev Protocol and you started making revenue, um, then whoever holds the OSS token would receive that funding. So if you share it with your project maintainers or team members or community members, they would start receiving that funding. Um, but we also know that eventually a lot of open source projects might outgrow that funding mm -hmm. and you could 
then turn off the faucet for the inflationary funds in, and you could create your own micro economies with the OSS token. Mm -hmm. So that's really important because uh, eventually we may see tokens that say, okay, let's shut off the inflationary fund from the protocol. Uh, so we, that we can distribute the creator token to everyone, or maybe okay. we use it as a governance token or we use it as a utility token. It's a web free OSS project. And at that point, then the token takes on more utility. And since Deb Protocol captures a 5% fee of every OSS token, we capture the upside value for our community that helped fund those tokens initially. Yeah. So you mentioned that 10 million tokens of the OSS token. So an OSS token is essentially any project that gets onto Deb Protocol. They mm-hmm. Once they get onboarded, 10 million tokens get issued to this project. And you're saying 5% goes to the uh, the treasury for devs, right? Correct. So the question is, does every project have to mint 10 million tokens or is it up to the developer to say, well, I actually need 100 million? Yeah, every project currently, um, it's standardized. So every project has to mint 10 million tokens. Okay. Uh, there was a few reasons behind this design choice. Uh, the first reason was we wanted, because most open source developers, they maintain multiple projects. So we wanted to just delete any information asymmetry and we wanted to have them know how many tokens or how much uh, percent of each project they own right off the bat. Um, So 10 million is a nice round number that you can do the math on. Uh, The second is it's for long-term marketing. So in the future, when you see an OSS project with a token that has 10 million supply, then you'll know that they use their protocol to mint mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And the third one is uh, we also want to eliminate any possible information asymmetry uh, within the DAO. So since it takes 5% of each token, it might get confusing if it was 5% of different amounts. Sure. Yeah. So just having 5% of like 10 million, which is 500,000 mm-hmm. is a lot easier. Uh, for the community to get behind. 100%. And like simplifying things for developers is always good. Even for the retail investor, it's simpler. Easier to understand because like Mm -hmm. even when kickstarting like a whole new token economy, that's one of the big questions like trying to understand the tokenomics of like this arbitrary minting count. Yeah. (laughs) Like which one's superior? Nowadays we're seeing like trendy things in DeFi, like the lower the better. Like yeah. if I have 10,000 yeah, tokens true. total, like <laughs> for some reason people FOMO in. Like, well, yeah, I mean, if like you hold one numbers. of 10,000, it, it sort of makes sense. Yeah. But so talk about the the granularity of the flexibility that a developer might have. What if their token inherently, their project requires inflationary aspects? Is that even possible on, on this particular protocol? Not at the moment, but what they can do in the future is um, they could do retro, you know, airdrops to people that were staking wallets that were staking for them on uh, that protocol. So if they outgrow that OSS token and they say, okay, it's time for our own token, then they could basically airdrop the people who are supporting them. I see. I see. Okay. So they basically build the functionality they need later on after they've uh, successfully uh, launched their their project and and Mm -hmm. generating revenue. And then they just build community around that too you know build a community around that and then once they have that then they can just customize through other platforms and 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 you know grow from there um so now that developers are able to tokenize their projects what sort of flexibility do they have now in terms of funding so the way that we understand funding is developer gets on dev protocol with their project. They mint Mm -hmm. 10 million tokens, 5% goes to the dev treasury. 
And then now the retail investors who like this project and want to support that project can stake their dev tokens into that project, thereby mm-hmm. yielding new newly minted dev tokens. And 51% goes to the uh, project. So the way that we're sort of understanding this whole ecosystem is the developer now is able to t- sell those dev tokens to pay for development. It, would that be like one one of the use cases and benefits of using dev protocol? Exactly. So if they want to sell the token, then they can do that. Um, but they could also distribute the token uh, as a payment if they chose uh, that method. Um, so we're not deciding. We're letting the creators uh, become creative sure. and yeah. do their job. Um, we want to take a you know a step back, kind of like the Ethereum Foundation, because when you get, um, when you give people competition and you let them. Uh, compete against each other, then you see a burst of creativity. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this is what we want to see with inside the debt protocol ecosystem. Um, But that the major thing is providing them all the tools to be able to do so. So we'd like to think that we're building the tool set for creators uh, rather than choosing the future for them. Okay. So when it comes to like, like you were saying, retail investors, you know, there's an interface to all of this as far as like selecting which protocol to kind of like delegate your your staking weight to. Well, like, I guess uh, how far into, I guess, into this, I don't even know if you consider you guys still in like an experimental phase of this project or not, but like, well, what metrics have you seen like kind of like dominate as far as uh, me being a retail staker, like which project would I gravitate to? Is, is it purely like a marketing thing? Like I just would go to a project's like website and just, I have a feel for the vision of the concept. Like that's enough. I should stake. Right. Or is there like some actually like GitHub code commit metric that I should be looking out for to kind of like mm-hmm. gauge my, my participation? What do you think that is? Yeah, I think we're following a pretty standard um, adoption Timeline, uh, similar to other protocols and technologies. Mm-hmm. So right now you have the early enthusiast. So that's a subset of OSS developers, but it's mostly um, people inside the crypto space looking at tokens. Um, yeah. And the people inside crypto looking for tokens are choosing uh, creators that communicate with them. Mm-hmm. Also, like get out of the way and like say, here's what I'm working on. Uh, and then for OSS developers currently on our platform, mostly are in crypto. And the ones that are in traditional OSS are staking for their own dependencies. So OSS projects have their own dependencies too. And it's a nice way when you're making money on the protocol to also support your own dependencies that are bringing value to your projects. Um, in the future, we think more companies will join the protocol to stake for their dependencies. Um, 90% of the enterprise software is open source software. Mm. Um, So if these enterprises have an incentive to make some money for themselves while also helping their OSS dependencies, I think it's a great value add for everyone in the ecosystem. Um, And especially for someone like GitHub. So let's say GitHub has like a hundred million dollar marketing budget. Mm -hmm. What better marketing can there be than to support the creators on your platform by staking for them and making money Absolutely. On that one million. Um, so we think in the future we'll see more people staking for their dependencies, and we'll see um, foundations. So, for example, the Chainlink Foundation launching on Deb Protocol and staking for 
open source built in on top of Chainlink, but also open source that they depend on. And we'll see their communities um, joining in. Um, yeah, that's, so, that's brilliant. Talk about a, a little bit about how a retail investor takes a look at all these projects on Dev Protocol and makes mm-hmm. a determination on typically a retail investor wants to maximize their gains and they may not necessarily want to support a protocol so much so that they get the most gains. So how do they determine which protocol to invest in or stake in so that they yield the most uh, dev tokens? Yeah. So actually currently the APY is fixed among Mm. projects. Okay. That's to make sure that people stake for the project that they love the most uh, that they want to support. Um, because if we had an APY that was chosen by the creator, then you could get uh, projects saying, hey, we'll give you 99% APY. Sure. But the project that is actually building and innovating and needs that you know, APY and needs that funding, then they won't receive any. So we're looking at something in the future for creators to choose uh, the stake-in rate and how much they would receive and how much they uh, patron would receive, but right now it's standard amongst all projects. Okay, let's drill a little bit deeper into this question. Um, mm-hmm. So you're saying the APY is static across all projects, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. So if a project gets a million stakers, just uh, for the sake of this example, that means that there's still an equal amount of dead tokens generated, even though that there's a million staking into a single project. So that means that there's less tokens distributed to those million stakers. Would that be correct? Yes. So um, our APY is dynamic. So it depends on the amount of dev staked on the platform, similar to, you know, any uh, governance, liquidity mining or ETH 2.0. But where it differs is that the APY also increases based on the amount of OSS projects joined. So if more OSS projects join, then each one produces inflation. Um, And that inflation rate will be chosen in the future by the DAO. Okay. Um, Interesting. It's very, yeah. very similar to like MakerDAO with with uh, with Dai, Dai stablecoin. Correct. Like the DAO mm-hmm. is kind of responsible for maintaining that stability, right, of within the the ecosystem. That's awesome. Exactly. That's great. Yeah. No, that's. that's and I kind of like the idea of like not making it like this cutthroat competitive environment of like yeah projects are just kind of like out competing one another with APY. Yeah. It can kind of it can get ugly real quick in that kind of ecosystem. <laughs> yeah, and it makes more sense yeah. to have stakers support the project that they like. Yeah, more. It's more. How, how would you word that? Like holistic. Holi- I don't know if holistic's the right word. No, I think it's just <laughs> you support the token that you like. I mean, or support yeah. the project that you like versus trying to get the best yield. Because because that adds on to already the current like like uh, spirit, I guess, of open source yeah. development, right? Like that's currently how yeah these developers sustain. They 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 sustain off of contributions from like supporters, right? Like basically mm-hmm. do- donations or stuff like that. So, but this is what Dev Protocol is doing is like adding a potential like we don't really know what the outcome of these like campaigns are going to be like for the the protocols the projects themselves like they could use the tool sets of dev and like really distribute some some serious future value to their early supporters this way absolutely yeah definitely and we think that since the apy is standard we'll see when the platform becomes more advanced we'll see oss projects becoming more creative with how they deliver value so whether that's perks yeah. or even uh, distributing their own creator token, mm-hmm. uh, we think we'll see these use cases soon. That makes sense. 
Okay, so the other question that I had uh, in relation to the 10 million tokens that are generated is how how does a developer get liquidity for those 10 million tokens so that there's there's trading happening on the OSS token? Yeah, so right now um, we don't provide any liquidity for OSS tokens. And the purpose of this is because the OSS token is meant to be held by the maintainers uh, because that OSS token receives the inflationary funding from debt protocol. Okay. Um, but in the future, we may see that projects choose to trade them on Uniswap or mm. another exchange as a source of funding, sure. a source of valuation. Um, and if they do this, then the DAO can vote to use some of the 5% in our treasury uh, for liquidity. Um, but the OSS projects can always um, you know, sell the dev tokens, put it in ETH, and then take some of their OSS tokens in the treasury okay. and uh, start building some liquidity and offer some liquidity mining incentives. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense because, I mean, if if a developer just uh, onboards onto Dev Protocol, they mint these 10 million tokens, and they want to generate some hype, as you as we've seen in Uniswap, right? Um, then I, I think that would be their their only option is to get to sell those dev tokens for ETH and then post up the liquidity. Yeah, or I, I mean, I guess now is a better better time than any. I was gonna wait till the very end of this talk to oh, ask yeah? you this question. You guys kind of teased on your Twitter about like uh, some incubator platform or a feature i guess uh in the future yeah, yeah. all it said was that incubator so we kind of had to read <laughs> yeah read between <laughs> like the lines imagine what that meant so yeah. i kind of thought it would have something to do with this very topic you know like incubation and and uh like liquidity generation is like a hot sector these days especially in DeFi, right so mm-hmm. i was wondering if you guys were gonna step yeah, your foot I'll, into that arena you know what i mean i'll get into that so um you asked us what phase dev protocol is in and i think we're in the adoption phase uh, we're going to release the major growth hack, which is the Dev Protocol Incubator, on hopefully on March 1st. And this is really important because um, right now, if you want to join Dev Protocol, you need to submit an application. Then you need to build a community that starts staking for you. Mm, yes. What the incubator will do is it's going to pre-choose projects. So we're going to have 20 major OSS projects that we begin staking for before they join the platform. And these projects can range anywhere from Signal, Wikipedia, uh, Python, or even Web3 OSS projects. And we're going to start staking 10, 20,000 dev for each one. And if they want the, that funding, then they'll have to join the marketplace and they'll have to um, authenticate their GitHub repository. Oh, wow. And they'll receive the funding. So hopefully soon we have some major OSS projects uh, joining Dev Protocol because it's a more sustainable solution because we provide more incentive for their patrons to support them. Um, also, we're using our Chaos Oracle to make it required that um, all OSS projects join in will be required to tweet about us, to share the news, mm. and to grow our uh, awareness across OSS. Mm. So it's going to be every quarter we're going to choose 20 major OSS projects. Uh, so hopefully those 20 projects will have um, hopefully 10 or 15 join um, and they'll tweet about us and hopefully that starts a snowball effect um, and starts some network effects. 
Interesting. That protocol ecosystem. Can you talk a little bit about uh, the Chaos Oracle? Um, you know, what's what's its purpose? Uh, where did it? I mean, where did it come from? And you mm-hmm. know, how is it different than the oracles that you know we're, we're aware of, like Chainlink? Yeah. So uh, the Chaos Oracle bridges Web two, Web three, and the point of the Chaos Oracle is to basically um, confirm secret keys and secret tokens uh, from Web two and confirm them on the Web3 blockchain and to specifically authenticate a token. Um, so we plan on launching more markets. So our uh, major mission is to tokenize all open assets and all open assets means uh, anything that's free to consume. So YouTube, Spotify, mm-hmm. uh, research mm-hmm. uh, are major markets. And in order to do this, we'll have to make sure that the person trying to tokenize the project has ownership of that project. Sure. So chaos comes in and it authenticates confidentially the secret uh, keys from those networks. So I'd say it's more similar to like um, API three mm. rather than Chainlink, which is price feeds. Interesting. Interesting. No wonder we're seeing like oracles, you know, all over the place yeah, these days. Spawn, yeah. There's so many different use cases. Yeah. So many different sectors to really tap into and like, you know, bring in all this data and and just to authenticate a project i mean all they need to do is sign with their private keys right exactly so all you're doing is submitting a transaction to ethereum yeah um yeah okay yeah that makes sense uh that's interesting um what what's the feedback that you're getting from developers using dev protocol so far Mm -hmm. yeah so our initial feedback when we approach developers in the traditional oss space is that um they're still skeptical of crypto mm. because of 2017, which is surprising because, you know, it's, happening it's kind all of the over evolution. <laughs> yeah, it's happening all over again. Yeah. Um, but when we speak to crypto OSS projects, they're really excited about Dev Protocol. They're really excited that um, they could focus on development because when you speak to the best developers in the space, they just want to develop they yeah. don't care about the UI, UX. They don't care yeah. about marketing or communications. Yeah. They just want to build, 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 and get it out there as soon as possible. Yeah. Um, so they're really happy that they could basically bootstrap their projects without having to worry about lawyers, uh, having to worry about VCs, having to worry about building uh, communities, because most of that happens organically with Dev Protocol. And you could uh, start putting that money in your war chest and then when you're ready for that, then you could start uh, focusing on kind of those time-consuming tasks. Mm-hmm. Is that that brings up a good question? Is there any curation on Dev Protocol's part on what projects can be onboarded onto this? Yeah, so we just have some basic requirements. So we want to make sure your project has an open source license, of course. Mm-hmm. We want to make sure that there's sufficient development going on. And uh, we want to make sure that it's on a fork that has no value added to it. Um, but it it's not too strict. Uh, we want to make sure that we're not, you know, uh, becoming a gatekeeper. And in the future, we hope to pass on the gatekeeping to uh, the community or sure. to a decentralized um, curation tool, maybe like Claros. Yeah, I, I just wonder if there was ever... Uh, I don't know if there could ever be a malicious type project on on Dev Protocol. Just it's in its nature is to do some, you know, like a virus, like a project, an open source virus. Mm-hmm. Like would that would that ever be considered as something that wouldn't be supported by Dev Protocol? An open source virus. 
Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, that's that's uh, that's. I guess we get into the gray area or something <laughs> like that. But that would be interesting that people would support like a virus. You know, I mean, there there's dark sides to every every sword. Yeah, you know what I yeah, mean. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's there's always uh, that possibility. The good thing about dead protocol is that you know patrons can unstake whenever they want. So mm. I'm actually seeing a lot from the community when a creator doesn't. Uh, talk to the community or they're not developing enough or um, they don't engage enough then they start um, they start creating unions of patrons that oh, yeah. say okay <laughs> let's unstake for these guys right away yeah. um, so I think it's really cool that we're seeing this happen um, but I think that's a more healthy way of funding early projects when you don't know the intentions of the creators uh, where you could just unstake at any time you're unpleased yeah yeah, I mean, we, we talk about this all the time. If if governments ever get on boarded to cryptocurrencies, we, mm-hmm. we hope that they they provide some ability for their citizens to stake and unstake when we're unhappy with their government. <laughs> if we're unhappy, we just unstake and their valuation of their coin goes down. Yeah. And it, it forces them as participants to be better versus, yeah. you know, you have riots and, you know, nothing happens with these He's yeah. right. Hence, hence my belief, like government isn't going to participate like <laughs> so, so nicely and gently the way you just described it. Yeah. You know, I don't think government likes to put themselves in yeah, yeah. that kind yeah. of position. You know? To get off topic a bit, I think we're seeing it happen already where uh, you have remote work. So, you know, anyone can move to any city or any yeah. town they want to yeah. and they're not stuck. Um, so, if you're unhappy with the current regulation or government or politics or whatever, you can easily move, you know, anytime you want. So I think that will keep uh, politics and politicians uh, more close to the ground. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we're starting to see sort of a migration from California to Texas. <laughs> Definitely. And, I mean, it's perfect. Uh, well, bad timing, you know, with this ice storm. But yeah, they're all going back now. Yeah, they're <laughs> <laughs> like bad idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's a good point. I mean, you're voting with your own physical self in a way, like whether or not. I mean, your own existence is like your stake within the the ecosystem. You know, yeah, we'll, I mean. Dude, I mean, this this whole staking concept, I mean, it's happening. I mean, just yeah. Bitcoin just crossed tr- a trillion dollars today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, putting your money into Bitcoin is sort of like choosing. You're, you're, you're voting against the U.S. dollar or whatever fiat currency that's that's out there. Yeah. And uh, I, I think, you know, like you're, to your point, I think governments are going to start trying to figure out ways to crack down. Like in India, they're starting to crack down on, on cryptocurrencies and mm-hmm. they're they're banning it. So I think it's just because out of like pure unknown, like, they just don't, I, this space is so wild and it, it advances so quickly every day. Something's changing about it. it like, how do you regulate something like that? And especially when, yeah. when we're like really, really enhancing these, like these decentralized ecosystems and now we're building like really cool tools for them to self-sustain and to like flourish into the future. Yeah. How the fuck do you, yeah. you know, how do you <laughs> yeah. get a grip on that? It's like a virus, you know, it's constantly changing. So yeah. how do you stay in front of that? Except this virus has millions of participants yeah. around millions of, uh, you know, countries mm-hmm. uh, building 24-7. So it's one of the hardest viruses to for contain. governments to fight. Yeah. 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 There's no quarantine for this. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's amazing. Yeah. Think about it. And especially when there's a virus that you know, um, has economic, but also philosophical incentives 
for the adopters. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of the same thing with Dev Protocol. So before open source, open source before Dev Protocol, um, people gathered around a mission, but there wasn't any economic incentives. But now with the creator tokens, you can easily apply economic incentives with you know two hundred dollars in gas to any open source project. So if people want to quit their job or work part time, it's a lot easier now because now they have OSS tokens that give them the right for that funding. And if those tokens are ever traded on an exchange, then you know some of these founders can be set for life because you know what would Linux be worth if, if they had a token? Dude, I mean Linux. I mean almost. All these trillion dollar companies were built on Linux. I mean, imagine if, uh, you know, they were, if they were like incubated by dev. Yeah. And like what, what that means if you're one of those early dev oh, supporters, like, damn, dude, you'd be chilling. Yeah. <laughs> you'd be chilling pretty hard right now. Yeah. They could have boot, they can still bootstrap on dev. And then once they grow past that, then they could, you know, cut off the faucet, like I said before. Mm-hmm. And they could say, okay, now if you want support on this or that, mm-hmm. uh, you have to hold X amount of. Linux tokens, mm-hmm. uh, so that would be a great way to uh, grow their micro economy. Yeah, uh, I th- I think that's one of the use cases that are underutilized. I've seen some tokens that uh, grant you access to an application and and mm-hmm. don't really require you to spend any money to use that application. You just have it in your wallet and then you have access to it. And I think uh, in a lot of cases that makes the most sense for for Web three to execute how how they generate revenue. Because at that point, if people are holding onto the token, well, the valuation of the token is going up. Mm. And that's probably the more efficient way than just charging people for access. Yeah. So I think we might start seeing that a little bit more often with uh, a a bunch of these tokens. Um, Yeah, I I would say that's a social uh, token, like, um, sector. Oh, yeah. So so one example of that is, like, um, for example, Julian of Hootaloop. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, mm-hmm. uh, from Rex, but also from StakeDAO. So he has a personal token, and that gives you some uh, benefits for holding it. Okay. And another example of that is APY Vision, which allows you to see all your liquidity uh, providing positions, and you get premium features uh, for holding that token. So I think this is definitely an underrated space, and I think yeah. it's probably going to blow up late 2021, 2022. Yeah. Uh, Imagine if you could hold like Kanye West token and receive <laughs> exclusive content. Yeah, uh, dude, definitely. Absolutely. That's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. We've been fiddling and dabbling with the idea of like, you know, how do we spin up like a social token for, for content creators on YouTube now that we're like deep in the YouTube game? Yeah. You know, and we're in the crypto space. Like why, why go through the traditional route of like open up a Patreon? Yeah, I agree. You know, like why not utilize NFTs and like, yeah. you know, ERCs? In, in creative new ways to kind of like, you know, like maybe like kickstart like a thousand limited edition NFTs to your community. You know, they can kind of bid on them and then yeah. you get VIP access to whatever it is down the road. You know, yeah. ima- imagine if somebody like PewDiePie had a thousand of those NFTs <laughs> to his community. How much would those be worth? Yeah. Like so, somebody with millions of subscribers. Like we're already seeing CryptoPunk sell for the millions of dollars, right? Yeah. Like how much are PewDiePie punks going to so go true. for? <laughs> you know what I mean? That's so true. So yeah, you're right. Like the whole, this whole, there's so many new sectors like emerging and they're, they're so undervalued and so underhyped. I yeah. guess, and people are just now starting to knock at those, uh, you know. There's a there's a couple of interesting things that 
I notice in these conversations, uh, Scott, is that we seem to speak in the context of Ethereum. And Mm -hmm. just today, Binance is number three. Binance Smart Chain, well, Binance BNB, um, is number three. And it's right there, basically competing with Ethereum. Yeah, it's it's like nudging it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it's (laughs) it's very close. And, And so my question to you is like from building this protocol, is there any consideration with deciding to to go with ethereum versus any other blockchain platform yeah definitely so when we look at protocols uh we're not looking at the price of the protocol uh we're looking at the developer ecosystem Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and ethereum is just you know it's night and day it's yeah the ethereum developer ecosystem is so far ahead any other um layer one blockchain sure um so that's why we're here and also if you want to build Legos and Dev Protocol is definitely a Lego, we can talk about how we see Dev Protocol in the future interacting with other projects. Um, but if you want to have that composability, then you definitely need to be on Ethereum. Yeah. And that's why a lot of projects are still hesitant to go to layer two on Ethereum because you lose some of that. Um, so that's why we're on Ethereum right now. Yeah, the, the community... Yeah, because, I mean, we have this debate internally for, for our own project is, you know, when do we start moving to a, a side chain so that we're not hit with, you know, $100 transactions just to move uh, you know, an NFT that's like 20 bucks, you know. Um, and But but you're right. If, if we move to a side chain, you're, you're essentially, you're forcing your community to move into a, a sector that doesn't have, you know, NFTs and ERC-20s of the standard that they're used to with Uniswap. Um, so this this is a big issue. So I, I guess from your perspective, you guys are waiting for ETH 2.0 to calm down, to calm the fees, right? We're also looking at layer two right now. Uh, yeah. We're just in the middle of some big uh, developments with the incubator, but also with a special airdrop that we're working on. Oh, I can talk about that later too. <laughs> Dude, block runner, uh, <laughs> subscribe now. I'm yeah. giving some alpha beats here. That's what's up. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so, yeah. um, I, I guess, yeah, I mean, uh, so many projects are, are working on airdrops just because I, it, it brings in the community and there's, there's this huge marketing standpoint, um, and it, it, it's just a, a way to bring attention to, to your token and like boost satisfaction at the end of the day. Right. Yeah. Like, for sure. I, I mean, if it's all about ecosystem and community building, I mean, you got to keep your community, you know, satisfied and happy some way, one way or another. Right. I mean, it's not, and it sets like a good precedent, I guess, for like if if, if yeah. Dev is launching like an incubator ecosystem, like all these protocols, they might not necessarily know, know how to build communities, right? So like they're, they're going to need models to kind of like work off of in the future. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And the great thing about um, airdrops is that it's the most efficient marketing. So if you could really target down who your um, users are. And you can airdrop the money. There's no better marketing. Why would yeah. I go spend, you know, thirty thousand dollars on a YouTube interview? Not you guys, but maybe <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, hope that I get supporters rather than just going to my supporters, spending money in their hand yeah. and saying, "Hey, look at my protocol and how we can help you." Yeah. So the upcoming airdrop that we're going to have is going to drop uh, some dev tokens to the top. Uh, contributors of on GitHub, specifically GitHub contributors for OSS projects. Oh wow! 
That's interesting. Damn, yeah. Dude, that's one hell of a, like, hey, like, we're here. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Hell yeah. Like, One Inch just did something like that, like, last week, I think. You know, it's a competitor to Uniswap, and I think they, they chose, like, the top Uniswap traders, like, the most active, you know, decentralized exchange users, yeah. and they just airdropped all of us some One Inch. You're like, whoa, hold on. What's One Inch now? Yeah. So now you're, you're kind of like forced to investigate a little bit. Then you kind of figure out like, this is a good user interface. This is a good experience. Like maybe I should be using one inch. Instead yeah. Of yeah. Imagine how companies like can use that too. Like for example, Uber and Lyft, if they had their own governance tokens and they had on-chain transactions of Lyft users and they could just airdrop, um, you know, Uber tokens to Lyft users, that would mm. be one hell of a competition. Yeah. Just like free rides, free rides, yeah, <laughs> free rides. Oh yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, so um, I guess you're thinking about all these like layer one uh, solutions and Dev Protocol being on Ethereum. <clears throat> uh, is Dev Protocol also considering using one of these Internet of Blockchain solutions to potentially make it easier for anyone on these siloed blockchains to eventually get onto Dev Protocol? Um, yeah, definitely. So our current um, roadmap is basically building out the protocol and building out the interfaces and growth paths. And then once that's complete, then we can definitely start looking at um, how to plug it into every blockchain if we wanted to. Sure. Um, but right now we don't think that's um, a priority just because uh, it's still so early. Anyway. Yeah. It's so early and it's really hard to choose a winner. And if we're spending, you know, a crucial time on, trying to choose the right course, uh, we're going to lose out on like building our own products. And we definitely need to find product market fit like every other crypto project Absolutely. Uh, to become successful in the long run. So what's the best way, to, if you're not a developer, to kind of like get involved in the construction of this whole ecosystem and like, you know, support? Yeah, definitely. So I think in the future, we're going to see like philanthropists on the protocol. Ooh. So we're going to have Dev Protocol philanthropist uh, funding open source projects and making money. You know, they, you can basically start your own VC firm if you wanted to based on Dev Protocol's ecosystem, oh. funding the right open source projects. That sounds like a hint. Have a future. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we got breaking news here. <laughs> we'll edit that out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's excellent. That's good. It's good to kind of like it's a good use case. It is good to kind of breach, like open the doors even more to kind of like start to think, imagine like how far can this go, and like you know potentially. And you know, teams themselves can become philanthropists. So like I said before, if you have the Chainlink Foundation funding yeah. their dependencies and they're taking part of that creator token, and they're hoping that make um, they're hoping that team become successful. And vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely like a huge sustainability uh, in this ecosystem. Oh, so that means Bill Gates confirmed, <laughs> right? Bill Gates <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. So uh, I, I guess the next question have to be is what would what, what's like the the biggest priority for Dev Protocol right now in terms of like the the roadmap? What's the what's like the driving focus for the the development team right now? Yeah. So right now we're working on the incubator. Um, and then we're working on the UI UX of the current stake social dApp. After that, we're going to have the airdrop. And then we're going to be working relentlessly on a, delivering a DAO for the community. Mm. Hopefully that will happen in Q4 2021, okay. if not Q1 2022. Okay. Um, and also growing the team. So we're going to have some new team members joining us soon. Oh, nice. And we're excited about 
you know, get in the pedal to the metal because it's been two years of development and now it's time for adoption. And um, we also may have some more integrations into new markets and into new sectors. Um, and possibly, you know, we could splinter the incubator into multiple niches. So right now it's just for um, projects chosen, but we could have the incubator and uh, we could split it up into 20 different ways. So we could have an incubator for space. We could have an incubator for um, biomedicine. Oh, wow. Yeah. And we actually spoke to a researcher at Harvard who's working on space tech. And uh, he said that the space industry is a huge open source uh, market mm. and they definitely need funding because everything related to space is you know, really expensive and you're hiring the top minds in, in the world, essentially. So they are on GitLab mm -hmm. and we may integrate soon with GitLab uh, to make sure that we go to space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to the moon. <laughs> had to do that what, what's the percentage split of projects on dev protocol that are crypto focused versus not crypto focused yeah so right now i would say it's 90 percent traditional mm. and 10 percent um, crypto focused just because i think a lot of projects launch their um launch governance tokens uh really fast in the open source space and uh, so crypto. that means that means you're doing a lot of educating to a certain extent as to well here's a cryptocurrency and blockchain and governance and so there's a lot of ed educating on on these uh developers right yeah definitely because uh for a lot of them this is the first time that they're interacting with metamask yes. uh, with uniswap uh so the new ui ux that's coming out next month is going to have a lot of education we're taking all the traditional open source developers to class uh, with this upgrade yeah. uh, so we're going to have onboarding animations uh, we're going to have uh, hints and tips and on, uh, post onboarding steps of how to grow their community and their patrons mm. so yeah we're really excited for that one because it's definitely going to take it's going to add a lot of value to the ecosystem for creators uh, go ahead yeah i was just thinking like it sounds like dev is is is, is excellent like uh, for a new pro protocol or project at the in, the in the incubation stage like in the phase one i guess tier of of, of a life cycle of a, of a project and i think like the whole space is kind of like kind of in that realm like at least the decentralized space mm -hmm. and, and kind of haven't really figured out what what happens beyond that point like once these like initial developers kind of like you know get things started and now you kind of pass the keys off to the DAO and the community. Like, how yeah. does how do you self-govern at that point and like you know distribute responsibility within the ecosystem? Like, uh, is Dev potentially gonna like offer even more solutions and tools? You know, in this realm in the future, do you think? So, are you talking about creator projects or Dev Protocol itself? I think ultimately the governance of Dev Protocol. So, for example, uh, are, are you so part of the UI update that you're talking about is so that not only can Dev govern it, govern itself, but also govern the other projects that are on Dev Protocol, right? Um, no. no. So the DAO will be launched in a Q4 2021 that will um, create a community treasury and also uh, decentralize a lot of the parameters so that sure. our stakers are able to vote um but we won't be governing the creator tokens for open source projects yeah well yeah so i don't mean like governing the so so for example if a project five hundred thousand tokens are go to the treasury so now mm -hmm. dev owners dev token owners can now vote 
for, uh, with the weight of 500,000 tokens for that protocol. So is there going to be a UI on on the website on Dev Protocol to to vote for you know one thing or another uh, to that granular project level? Yeah, exactly. So uh, you're speaking about meta governance, yeah, hmm. and we expect a lot of OSS projects in the future to bring governance on chain, um, okay. and these OSS tokens can be um, the source of that. So you'll use the OSS token to vote on leadership. You can even use the OSS token to vote on if um, commit is merged, for example. So the becomes a governance token, essentially. Interesting. And um, since we take a 5% fee, our community uh, can vote on all of those. So we'll capture a pretty sizable amount of voting power. Um, So we essentially become an OSS like ETF, right? We're passing these voting rights to our users. And if the users, uh, whatever the majority vote is, then we push that. Uh, to the OSS project. Hmm. Wow. Meta governance. Yeah, uh, that's going to be huge just because, I mean, for every project that's spun up on using dev protocol, I mean, 5% goes to the treasury. And and that 5% is huge in terms of, like, how much weight a a, a particular uh, decision needs to be made per project. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just I wonder how many of these projects, like, specifically the 90%, I mean, that's like a huge educational process to say, hey, now your users can vote on, you know, what direction you take your project. Um, I'm sure that's not an easy thing to like comprehend for people that aren't aren't part of the crypto sphere. Yeah. Yeah. We think that's two to three years away. Um, And hopefully, you know, the speed of the space, uh, two to three years is probably like 10, 20 years. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, by the time that comes around, we think a lot of improvements will be there and um, crypto will be a lot more mainstream and easy to uh, explain. But yeah. at the same time, I think people in blockchain shouldn't you know, stress themselves over how hard it is to explain crypto and blockchain mm-hmm. uh, to Web2 users. Just because Web3 offers so many more advantages. It's just natural that it's harder to explain. And you could capture so much of your own value. And when you become a creator and an owner of the value that you provide, you need to spend a little more time learning this. So it's not as easy as ordering an Uber, for example, but you're capturing a lot more value using these services. So it's best for you to spend you know, an hour more learning what it is and how to do it. Yeah, that, that's a good way of putting it. Like if you're comparing Web 2 to Web 3, Web 3 allows you, gives you the flexibility to capture more of that value and interaction than just ordering an Uber ride. What if ordering an Uber ride allows you to get more airdrops from, from Uber, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that, that's a really interesting way to put it, and I haven't really thought about it in that angle. Yeah, um, when you use Web 3, you become your own boss essentially, so... The difference between an employee and a boss is, yeah. you know, a completely different knowledge uh, and skill set. Yeah. So if you're going to become your own boss, then you need to do a little more work. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so I, I guess one of the last questions is uh, going back to, to Bitcoin. Where do you see <clears throat> Bitcoin becomes like sort of the signal for the entire space? Where, where do you see the the ultimate valuation of Bitcoin going? Is it, do you think it's going to approach and, and go beyond gold or is it just one of those tokens that eventually get phased out? I mean, what, what's your thought on that? Yeah. So I'm an economist by heart. And I think when you study 
the history of money. All money is basically a narrative mm. that's adopted by the people in control. Um, and right now, crypto is uh, built in the future. And I think the people who are coming into power in the next 20 years uh, will be holding crypto. I think kids are so attached to their iPhones and to uh, you know all this technology it's constantly surrounding us. Uh, it's becoming a part of us. Even Elon Musk is implanting okay. it inside our brains. So I don't think young the younger generation wants to have paper or you know wants to have gold. Everything will be digital essentially. Uh, so I think Bitcoin is going to become more of a store of value, like mm-hmm. gold is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Ethereum is definitely on its way to become like a digital oil. Uh, for the new economy. Damn. That's, yeah, I mean, we we feel exactly the same way. I I think uh, Bitcoin is going to start becoming more uh, or less volatile and uh, eventually become a store of value. But in the sense, a store of value that goes beyond gold um, eventually. Um, yeah, mo- probably mostly due to like you know, like the, the the technology in at all of our disposal. It's a lot more difficult, I guess, of a proposition to acquire like physical gold than it is to acquire is. Bitcoin. You know, especially because we're all like you're saying connected to this technology every single minute of our lives. Yeah, you know, like the interface mm-hmm. of Bitcoin is is pretty much what we're used to. So I and I think in this cycle we're in the phase where companies start adopting Bitcoin, just like like Tesla and Elon have. And then potentially in the next cycle, we're going to start seeing countries start adopting it because if they don't, they're going to get left behind. And there's really no way to recover uh, once once these huge institutions are buying and holding. Yeah. Uh, hopefully. Yeah. We get, sorry. I was just going to say, like, hopefully we get past this this sentiment we have like next cycle, next cycle. Hopefully, like we just stop that and we're yeah. just like a constant up trajectory you know no more downs dude yeah <laughs> i don't want to go through that again you know it's I mean? a lot easier to build when there's downs though. That's yeah a good, it is great point it great, is great point. um but yeah if you look at bitcoin it's following the adoption like roadmap perfectly so first it's early enthusiasts then it's investors and then it's companies so of course it's going to be tech companies right yeah. and then next is larger enterprises um and then it's going to be small countries and then big countries and then you know it's going to become a global currency yeah that's that's all you need to say that's that's it yeah uh <laughs> i mean that the implication of that is it's just like hard to comprehend just because <clears throat> as it's happening it's hard to to even believe like something like this is 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 happening while we're able to take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure looking back when, you know, kids born today, they look back and and they see, you know, a 100 trillion valuation of Bitcoin, like, you know, it was obvious, right? It should have yeah. it should have been obvious today that, you know, it's probably going to get to 100 trillion dollars at some point. Yeah. But it, it's just crazy to believe that we're able to participate in, into something like. In this. order for it to be obvious, though, today you kind of you have to understand the the flaws yeah. of the current system. So a lot of people just aren't aware. That's true. Now, That's it's gonna true. it's gonna take like these these flaws to become more like exposed and evident. Yeah. So for that 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 switch to flip in like you know the uh, yeah. majority's head. Basically, a hundred dollars yeah. for milk. Like there's something wrong here. Yeah. Like how did that happen? Yeah. How the <laughs> yeah. You bring up a great point. So markets reward early participants yeah. for doing the research and you yeah. know yeah. fixing the flaws. So exactly. Um, I had a friend that was creating a hedge fund for crypto in 2017, and he had to figure out so much stuff with his lawyer 
uh, like regulation uh, that wasn't, uh, you know, ever discussed by the SEC. And the market eventually rewarded him for figuring out all those issues because uh, when big investors came to the crypto hedge fund space and they wanted to buy out um, smaller hedge funds, he was one of the only people to figure out all that regulation and go through all those tasks that are sure. really easy today because now lawyers have so much experience with crypto. Sure, sure. Uh, so you got paid handsomely for that. Mm. And it's the same thing with crypto founders today and crypto investors. Uh, the market is rewarding you for being early, for figuring out those challenges that every user uh, faces. That reminds me of the, of the last question for, for today. And thank you for being on Scott is, um, how much of decision making goes into like from from the team's perspective into like legal implications of what you guys are doing? Do you guys make that into like a huge like discussion point in in deciding on how, what path to take for Dev Protocol? Yeah, definitely. So I think there's a uh, two types of projects right now in crypto. One project is you know anonymous uh, yeah. hackers yeah. launching stuff yeah. on the whim. Yep. And then another is like more calculated uh, projects that follow like an enterprise approach. So yeah. Uniswap is a good one. Chainlink is a good one. Uh, and we're definitely following that approach. So we're working with a Swiss lawyer right now, moving our corporation to Switzerland. Interesting. Um, and we're also in talks with a U.S. attorney um, just because the U.S. is the toughest regulators in the world. Yeah. And you want to make sure that everything is sound in America. And if everything is sound in America, you probably won't have a problem abroad. Um, so everything we do is double checked and uh, we definitely don't, you know, launch anything without that. Um, do you recommend any projects or do you recommend in general for projects to follow that sound? If, if they're trying to be, you know, uh, not anonymous and not do a rug pull, do you recommend projects to follow like legal like structure, like, like what dev protocol is doing? Um, I would say that a lot of projects that we see in like, especially DeFi are experiments. So I understand why they don't want to spend, you know, $200,000 on legal fees just to launch an experiment that sure. might get hacked, uh, now or later. Yeah. Um, but if you want to, you know, build a long-term project and you want to do it right and you don't want to pay anyone in jeopardy, it's, definitely, you know, a positive thing to work side by side with regulators and with lawyers uh, to make sure you're building a healthy ecosystem. Hmm. Yeah. And okay. ultimately if, if, if more projects don't align with that, that uh, methodology, I guess, like I, I don't think we'll ever see this mainstream adoption that we're all hoping for, you know, we'll just remain this like renegade niche yeah. Yeah. of like, you know, just hackers and, you know, DGENs and stuff like that. I mean, there's a space for that for sure. I mean, it's fun, but yeah, at the end of the day, especially with you guys, because 90% of your, you know, users are, are not, not that. Not crypto, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah you got to cater for sure. But hopefully we can convert them all to DGENs at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the this last, is... Oh, sorry. I just wanted to say the last thing I wanted to discuss is, you know, how Dead Protocol fits into the DeFi space and how oh, yeah. we aim to be composable and yeah. become a Lego in ourselves. So... I think in the next uh, few years, we're going to see um, GitHub competitors. So I'm not sure if you're, you've heard of Radical. Radical yeah. is like a peer-to-peer -peer GitHub. They're launching uh, their governance token uh, on the 23rd oh, okay. of February. So I think in the future, we're going to see an integration with Dev Protocol and with Radical, where any developer using Radical can launch a token 
for their OSS project. And then in another integration with SourceGrid, SourceGrid allows you to distribute tokens based on contributions of users. So this composability is, you know, you can't find it on Binance Chain or Tron or uh, Polkadot. Mm -hmm. So you launch your token on Radical uh, through developing it with Dev Protocol, and then SourceGrid distributes it to your main country, uh, like maintainers of that project. And then you have yield aggregators like Yearn Finance or uh, hmm. StakeDAO that then offer yield um, to all the DGENs out there in DeFi. Yeah. And then um, we'll have corporations, you know, uh, piling in to, to support their OSS dependencies. Wow, that's that's incredible. I mean, it, the DeFi is one of the uh, one of the huge tools right now in the crypto space, and just integrating into a project is I, I'm sure is going to yield like hundredfold in terms of like value. Mm -hmm. So that's that's really smart. Um, last last final question for sure is: Do you believe that in the in the cryptocurrency space that we can actually have anonymous projects become like a, a huge staple into the the space? Yeah, definitely. So I'm actually really fascinated by this topic. So I think the future in the future is definitely like anonymous personalities building. Um, so now since everyone's working remotely and uh, crypto allows you to become anonymous, if you have proper uh, OPSEC, then you could have these anonymous identities that can launch product projects without you know any uh, conflicts. And because a lot of people are scared to put their name out there, especially yeah. when you're innovating, like, you know, when you're on the borderline and you're innovating something that might be, uh, might fail, then you definitely don't want to put your real name out there. So I think we're going to be able to like burn and mint um, anonymous identities really easily in the future. Interesting. And even potentially sell them, you know? Yeah, and potentially sell them with an NFT. Yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't even know. Like, if it is, is I'm, I'm Satoshi, but I'm really not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but when I built this protocol, but I bought his NFT, you know, off of the yeah. OpenSea. I think yeah. everyone should invest in, you know, an anonymous identity. It's yeah, definitely I agree. great to have. Huh. And I think, yeah, I think for sure you should start whatever protocols are working to kind of like build the infrastructure that you should participate them in like building that on-chain identity, whatever yeah. that means. I think they all have different yeah. like requirements to do that. Maybe some are like more social. Yeah. Others are more like, I don't even know anymore. Yeah. <laughs> There's just, it's, it's interesting. But yeah, definitely now's the time to be building that online, you know, on-chain reputation. And, and, you know, we already build anonymous reputations on web too. You mm. know, Instagram, Twitter, true. Uh, those are not our true selves, right? They're very fabricated and they're very yeah. idealized versions of ourselves and how we want to portray ourselves. Yeah. So bringing it to Web3 is not that different. So t just to clarify, because this is an interesting answer. I, I didn't anticipate this, but but you mean anonymous identities, but with reputation. Like, for example, if Andre Cronier is making like these these huge DeFi protocols, but we didn't know that it was Andre. It was just some uh, anonymous person, but he has this history of building like these banger DeFi protocols. That's what, that's what you mean by anonymous because to me, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like an anonymous project because they could rug pull, right? They could. And so mm -hmm. that, that's like one of the red flags to me in a, in a project. 
So to remove that red flag would just be reputation. Is, is that sort of like the implication that you're you're saying with anonymous identities? Yeah, exactly. And you know, if it's your first project as an anonymous person and you don't have a reputation, then it's just a bigger reward for your early yeah. you know backers. Right. So right. Dang. yeah, I think we're definitely going to see social tokens of anonymous people, projects by anonymous people, more so in the future. Dude, it's definitely that's the future. Awesome. And if your project fails, you just burn your uh, identity and you create a new one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, I, I just can't wait till the government like hears about all yeah. this. Like, <laughs> they're going to be pulling their heads out like, what? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? It's, it's amazing. Yeah. Awesome. All right, Scott. Uh, let's, let's call it here. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, th- this is like one of the most fascinating projects that we've seen so far. Mm-hmm. And we really like what you guys are building. And hopefully it grows into this well, we're thinking a, a multi-billion dollar project. Yeah, juggernaut, dude. Uh, we're betting on it, at least. Uh, oh, n- not financial advice. Not, not financial <laughs> advice, of course. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, thank, thank you, you, Scott. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. A, I hope to come on soon, whether it's for a debt protocol or just to chat with you guys in general. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Thanks, man. We're, we're always down, man, for sure. Thanks. Uh, and stay safe out there in Texas. All right, All right bro. <laughs> Take care, you too. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, so that was a good conversation, uh, Scott Gray. Uh, dude, dude, this 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 space has too many like geniuses, dude. Dude, they do, man. And <laughs> dude, the whole anonymous like answer that was, that, was, that took me by surprise. It was, dude, dude, haven't I been saying? This, You've been dude? saying been it, saying but the there's like thing. a there's like a very specific thing. Oh, reputation. I mean, you've mentioned that, that you've mentioned that before. That's why I'm saying we have to investigate like these identity protocols, like Kilt and yeah. Linden Tree, or whatever. So they're they're being built, you know. Yeah. And Bright ID, we we already saw one, dude. We're like, dude, this is fucking weird and fringe, but yeah. it's weird and fringe for a reason. Yeah, know? yeah, for sure. But like, we need to start participating in these, dude, because yeah. that's the future. Our on-chain identity. That means at some point, like, we could build an on-chain identity, and we could just spin up like a bullshit project using that identity, and nobody knows it's us. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree. That, how do you imagine that? Like, and then if it like takes off, then that yeah. identity has value. It's got value. Then we could just keep building more bullshit projects. Yeah. And like people will like just throw money at it. And yeah. they won't even know it's us, dude. Like that's what's so crazy. I mean, the implications of that is huge. And you you brought like the probably the biggest point, you know, uh, along this this topic of conversation is what is the government? What could they do? Uh, exactly. They can't do They can't, they do, can't anything. do a goddamn thing, dude. That's why you pull the plug on this. <laughs> <laughs> if I was the government, I, I, I'm like, dude, like, how do we stop? You can't stop it. You can barely understand it. Yeah. And it's like, and it's it's accelerating too quickly beyond to the point where you could like, you know, take some time to investigate and then yeah. come out with, that's why I mean, it's like, dude, you just... I mean, the probability of a, of a like a, a plug, plug especially is, is yeah. getting higher. Yeah, and then add on top of that, like none of the none of the previous like indicators of like you know market top work anymore. So there's like not many out, not many scenarios anymore that can cause a correction. Yeah, like that has to be it. Yeah, like that has to be the point where like this whole thing comes crashing down again because like there's just too much bull. You know yeah. I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. Too much, too much purchasing power. <sighs> Man, I mean, we we brought up a, a bunch of good points here, especially behind Bitcoin and the whole uh, Binance chain aspect, where the developers are. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty clear developers are going to pick Ethereum all day. Yeah. Even they'll deal with the gas fee. I mean, Vitalik's working on a solution to that. Mm-hmm. We, we can't deny 
we we can't think that no, Ethereum is going to fail no. just because of uh, gas fees. He gave the same answer like like Andre would give or something like uh, you know may, maybe there's a little bit of biases there because they're you know active participants in the Ethereum ecosystem, so they're more like, like yeah, you know, well, it, we're we're already on it, so we're going to bet on. That but but he's not wrong, like from an objective standpoint. Yeah, the developers are on Ethereum, and like like I say, like liquidity is also there. But we're just now starting to witness like some a little bit of migration happening. Yeah. At least for the liquidity perspective. Like now if, if this trend continues and like liquidity starts to disseminate into other chains, maybe developers will follow. Yeah. Because we know like developers they, they they build where the money's at. Because yeah. that's like that's what supports the, the protocols they build in the first place. They need that liquidity. Yeah. You know? So it's it's a simple formula, dude. And yeah, Ethereum has 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 relished and enjoyed the <laughs> <laughs> the opportunity of being like the only show in town for for years now, yeah. You know, and unfortunately, I mean, fortunately, well, I don't know. Fortunately, unfortunately, whatever. Regardless of your stance on the on this topic, it's like it's happening. Yeah, it's it it is. there's some there's some alternatives out there, and we'll see what that means. Man, yeah. I wish I could be a fly on the wall in in, in the <laughs> government trying to listen to these conversations. Like, yes, yeah. Because first, they need to bring in experts. Yeah, big big oof. And, and and then those experts need to be able to explain, like, this is not a threat, but it is a threat. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. Especially with these anon. Dude, the anon shit takes it to a whole other level. Because, yeah. like, yeah, you want to dismiss it, be like, because a lot of them do rug, but, like, some of them could become, like. The next they're, Satoshi. They're, like, they're like, well, bigger. Like, they form actual, like, societies, digital societies. Yeah. With legitimate, like, liquidity power. They might have, like, more TVL locked than, like, an entire nation's, like, you know, GDP. Like, yeah. That could, that could be a future scenario. So, how, what kind of, how do they leverage that power? Yeah, and I don't want to yeah. discount Anonymous completely because if. If we were able to understand code enough to to understand that they've locked their their team funds for three years, it it wouldn't matter that they're anonymous because they can't rug pull. Yeah. Right. And to be able to confirm that is like extremely powerful. Yeah, man. So so anonymous projects aren't like the red flag that they used to be, but you got to do a ton more research. You really do, a and you, I, you have to be like actively engaged in that community as well. I think, yeah, because it's like a day to day thing. You know, w- when you're involved in one of these decentralized organizations, it's like you have a job. That's the point. Yeah, like you gotta you gotta work at the company to understand like its flaws and like its its That's perks. So, like you have to be there. Yeah, I mean, well, at least to get like the best grasp of it. Yeah, you could be an outsider like speculator and just like just you know digest Make- like the surface level details. Yeah, but if you're an insider, you're like you know everything. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? So, and that's the exact same thing that's happening. It's just like a distributed network of that of that same. Yeah, no, it's just uh, a lot to think about in this this podcast. That's why we like doing interviews, man. There's so much to learn and comprehend from. Like, are we, are we still on the record, by the way? Yeah, we're on the record. Oh, okay. Just all right. Hopefully, I didn't say anything. <laughs> no, you, <laughs> somebody anything? You know? Yeah, I don't think so. Okay, cool. Um, but, <clears throat> yeah, man. We so we, we should get more interviews. I guess uh, for y'all watching. Let us know if you want more of that. You yeah. Know, there's some more projects that do. I mean, obviously, there's tons of projects that I want to know more about. Yeah. This is just the first one. I want to know more about Barnbridge. <laughs> I want to know more about... Ave. Yeah, Ave, Polkadot, you know, everything being built on Polkadot. I just want to know more about that. You know, see what see what their answer is. Like, oh, why aren't you building on Ethereum? Yeah. They'd be like, nah, fuck that, bro. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Ethereum's dead. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure they wouldn't say that because that's that's not true. That's the opposite. Yeah, they're like Ethereum's great, but this is how we're gonna make it better. That's that's I think what their answer that, that would be. response. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right. Well, if you hopefully you guys enjoyed this podcast and um, yeah, let us know what you think about Dev Protocol. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at the Blocker and also at MetaZone.io. All the links to the in, in the description um, and, and make sure you follow Dev Protocol as well. Um, so yeah, let us know what you think and we will see you in the next podcast. Peace. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Blockrunner podcast. Make sure you visit our website, theblockrunner.com, and sign up to stay up to date on the latest in crypto. Also, reach out to us on Twitter at TheBlockRunner. Yeah.